Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Blessings to you. Thanks for being here. And uh, welcome and to our friends across the globe who uh, tune in, who swell our numbers greatly. Welcome you as well. Uh, lovely to have another opportunity to connect with you. I don't know about you, I keep mentioning it, but I am looking forward to when all this stuff will be over. Don't get too uh, comfortable with it, because if you do, you won't be able to move, and then you'll miss something we want to talk about this morning, which is the physics of the quest, and how some things can affect us in a way that are detrimental to us ever moving on to get where we need to be. So blessings, and, and I know some are um, isolating this week and all that stuff still going on, so we send out blessings and love uh, from us, and uh, also when, when the restrictions, when the restrictions, whatever they are, when the restrictions lift a little further, we'll be looking to expand what we do for the kids, etc., etc. So thanks for helping us just keep momentum going, keep ourselves open, keep ourselves ready to change what has been uh, the long journey of a year. And so we've got to get back to establishing some new habits and some fresh habits. So the physics of the quest. That's a clip from, um, I always get the words the wrong way around, which eat, pray, love. Is that the right one? Yeah, it's a girly flick. Um, the physics of the quest. I want to deal with that a little bit this morning because it, it, it's just such a, a powerful statement in its own right. And um, the truth is, I, I have been in crisis now for many years. Um, if I took them all up, I would say the last 18 years have been crisis years for me. Um, some of those years have focused in more on the issue, but it's been a long time, and maybe I've learned to focus a little more on what that has been, but I've not been in crisis over my faith. There's not one minute in the last 18 years that I have been in crisis over my faith. I, I have never questioned the reality of God or the reality of God in my life or the truth that I know about who he really is, the character and nature of God. So I've not been in crisis over my faith, but I have been in crisis over my beliefs. Now, if you haven't picked that up and you're a regular here, um, there might be some questions about the level of your IQ. And I know that for some of you, his has been um, a challenging imposition because of what it has led us to and what it has uh, caused us to speak against. So, so it's from that basis, really, that I want to talk to you today about this physics of the quest. See, I found myself having to address many discrepancies and anomalies. And if you don't know what those two words mean, it's not good in this context, okay? 
But they've arisen during this time, and they, they seem to have led me to, to something that, that I would call the intersection of faith and belief. Now, I find that very interesting understanding because uh, any intersection is a crossroads, and at those crossroads, you're going to have to choose which road you are going to take. And these challenges and these discrepancies and anomalies that I have found in my own belief system have brought me to this, this crossroads, this intersection of faith and belief. And, and maybe, maybe we all arrive there at some time but maybe we only arrive at that intersection of faith and belief when we experience life-threatening trauma ourselves. Now, I don't mean that necessarily in the sense of a medical drama. I mean that in sense of broken relationships and, and disappointments and disillusionments and, and, and failures and expectations that don't come to pass and things that don't seem to add up. Those are the traumas that we have in our lives, but they do bring us, if you will recognize it, to this intersection of faith and belief. And uh, as I've said to you before, the, the Bible's an incredible book. Um, it's not about the argument of whether it's infallible or inerrant. That, to me, is, is irrelevant in my thinking now. But I do find it incredible because if you, if you can open your heart and spirit to what it's really saying, it always nails the major issues. And there's this, there's this, this thing that Jesus said when he was giving a parable about, about uh, a woman and a judge. And, uh, you know, the question is really about what did the woman believe about the judge and what did the judge believe about the woman and what do we believe about them? But then Jesus pipes in at the end of this parable and says, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Which I find a fascinating question. It's not, it's not will he find belief in the earth, but will he find faith on the earth, because even there, it's pointing us to this intersection of the difference between belief and faith. Will he find faith on the earth? Is there faith in this place tonight, or just a bunch of beliefs? See, not unless there are people who engage in the physics of the quest, will you find faith in the earth. Because that's where the faith becomes found. And physics is the forces at work responsible for a certain outcome. So I want to be involved in that. But to do that, you have to be brave and willing, which are the two aspects that we'll aim to cover this morning as we look at the difference between belief and faith in the quest. The first part of willingness is the willingness to hear beyond your belief. And that's been the problem with the Christian religious faith, quote, faith, in small letters, communities for years. We do not seem to be able to be willing to be here beyond our belief. We've established them. But I would call hearing beyond our belief the Word of God. I don't call the Bible the Word of God. There's the Word of God in the Bible, but the Word of God is when you hear something outside that goes beyond your belief. This is how the Apostle Paul wrote it in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It comes by that Word that goes beyond your belief. I'm hoping that you'll hear that Word this morning as we go through this subject. 
some people thinking, how dare you? What are you suggesting? Absolutely love that film, Smallfoot. If you've not watched it and you were raised in church, particularly if you were evangelical or Pentecostal, you have to watch Smallfoot. If you're one of these people who watch a movie and haven't a clue what the inner voice of that movie is, then I'd deliver you. I cast those demons out right now in Jesus' name. Watch and learn as we're invited into the world of humans and yetis, which may seem like fantasy, but I have to say that where my belief has been shaken is some things I used to believe seem like fantasy to me now. Just like with the yetis and the humans. And the question is, what do we dare to challenge? But if I put a full stop there, that's a bad statement. But if I dare to say, what do we dare to challenge for the sake of truth? That becomes a very different question. And the moment we stop challenging anything and everything for the sake of truth, we have become, for those of you who understand church things, we have become the Pharisees of our day. We have become the fundamental fanatics who are so interested in guarding what we have that we can never reach out for what we could have. And I can no longer believe in the God that I was given because that God is too small for me. Because we somehow made that God fit within the parameters of our limited human understanding and our small-minded doctrinal interpretation, thinking that somehow we could mould God to be what we would like him to be in our context, rather than saying we will leave our context to find the real God of heaven, the God of creation, the source of all things, the creator of the universe. Of course, that's a challenging thing, and that's why I said at the beginning, the physics of the quest require, first of all, that you be brave and that you be willing, because if you're neither of those two things, you're never going to break out of where you are. And so one of the most important things I wanted to say to you today was that belief is not faith. And we have placed far too much emphasis and weight on belief. Now, I know that for those of you who are Bible scholars will know that there are many verses in the Bible that use the word belief, and we could talk about those, but I'm not going to. Because I want to focus in on the fact that belief is not faith, but most of us have gravitated to belief rather than faith because of what belief does for us that faith can't. See, belief is a product of the mind. You can only believe from information that you have received. And the problem is our beliefs are mostly narrow and rooted in culture and upbringing. I have had to ask myself the question, my first time in church was three days after I was born. And to be honest, until I became uh, very ungodly and unrighteous, I never missed a Sunday, even on holidays, and some of you will relate to that, we dare not miss church on a Sunday, even though we were on holiday, and dare not go in shorts, Dave, <laughs> dare not go in shorts back then, and I'm glad for these, where we've come to now, but we dare not, we will be dressed up to the nines, 
in 90 degree weather, 30 whatever it is for those of you who have the new money thing, sweating cobs in churches with no air conditionings in some village in the south of France because we dare not miss. And I've had to ask the question, how much of what I think I believe or what I would like to call faith is the result of culture and upbringing? Where would I be if I'd have been born in a Muslim country or if I'd have been born in a communist country or a Hindu country? Where would I be now? So I have to, I have to assess where I am in my journey, bearing in mind that beliefs are mostly narrow and rooted in culture and upbringing. And I, I've found, I'll speak for me personally, I've found that some of my most closely held beliefs to be in direct conflict with other things that I now see to be true. And I know that's the same for some of you. Don't suppress it. This film reminds me of what I was raised in. Now, I'm grateful for what I was raised in. I'm thankful it gave me some wonderful things, but it also gave me some things that weren't so wonderful. And one of them was a very narrow perspective of the audacity to think that we could squeeze God within our denominational doctrinal thinking. See, the Yeti don't believe smallfoot. You know what a smallfoot is? Because Yetis are like nine feet tall, apparently. So a smallfoot is you and me. Humans, they called them smallfoots. I love the thing when he says, how do you know it was a smallfoot? Because it had a small foot. That's called honesty and truth. But you see, the Yeti don't believe smallfoot is real, yet some Yetis have seen smallfoots. The smallfoot don't believe Yetis are real, yet some smallfoots have seen Yetis. And this reminds me of institutionalized religion. See, see if this fits. The Yeti believe everything is written in the stones, in the role of the stonekeeper to keep them safe, and the gong ringer who awakens the great glowing snail to crawl across the sky, and how the world was created when they all fell from the butt of the great sky yak, and how their world is an island that floats on the sea of endless clouds resting on the backs of great mountain mammoths, and how we have to feed ice to the mammoths, because if we don't, they would all die and we would fall into the great nothing." Now this may sound terrible, but as I've evaluated what I have formulated as beliefs, I realize that sometimes my beliefs are as ridiculous as this. And that's why people will fight over whether the earth was created in six literal days. People will fight over whether the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. You know, there was a guy called Marcion of Sinop who got in serious trouble because he dared to ask the question, is the God of the Old Testament the same as the God of Jesus? Now, I don't think he came up with the right answer, but they kicked him out for the question. See, and the other thing that's a problem to me is their superiority. Isn't it interesting how beliefs always convey a spirit of superiority? We believe you don't. Therefore, we are superior. And if we are superior because we believe, then our beliefs must also be superior to your belief. Their superiority of the Yetis was founded in their beliefs and authenticated by the stones. But I need to say, what I'm doing today is not so much about questioning the veracity of biblical text. 
It's about how belief and interpretation can bind us to things that, A, may not actually be true. Some of us in here were raised in Assemblies of God, and we had something called the fundamental truths, which I came to understand that many of them were neither fundamental nor true. May not actually be true. B, because it binds us to things that prevent us thinking beyond. And C, because it binds us to things where we would rather have certainty than truth. Now, that's one of the great problems in what I feel I have to accomplish in my life and ministry. Because most people, including probably many of you, would rather have certainty than truth. See, the object of certainty is to place things beyond question. That's the object of certainty. Uh, but nothing is beyond question, folks. Nothing. Nothing is beyond question. That's why Jesus answered questions with questions, because nothing is beyond question. Anything beyond question has no quest within it. And the physics which really govern life have no outlet. So you saw Migo, we introduced you to Migo on there, son of the gong ringer, which I find interesting because there are people who believe similar things just with more biblically focused words that if the gong ringer doesn't hit the gong, then the great, the great snail cannot go across the sky to bring us all light. You know, and we, we have wrongly associated gong ringing technology with things like prayer and praise and worship and scripture knowledge that we have to ring the gong because if we don't ring the gong, the sun won't go across the sky. And we get as ridiculous as believing that the great sky snail is what brings us light when we ring the gong. If Migo says what he saw, then a stone is wrong. But he knows he saw it. If he says he didn't see what he saw, then he's lying. And that's a dilemma that one finds oneself in when you are willing to place nothing beyond question. See, believing is a valid discipline. Don't get me wrong. I want you to still believe. Believing is a valid discipline, but it should not be confused with faith. If there's one great message this movie alerts us to, it's the problem of tribe over truth. And that's the great problem in institutionalized Christianity and any form of religious expression or anybody who so buys into a political ideal that you cannot hear anything beyond or any ethos of life where you will not get outside of that, whether that, be, whether that be men being here to govern women, or whether that be whatever, 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 whenever you get into any of those things, you get the problem of tribe over truth. We must protect the tribe, even if it's the expense of the truth. And I've watched that happening for most of my life, and that's why part of my crisis of belief has existed, particularly for the last decade, that I've watched people try to protect tribe over truth and I won't do it. Belief is another danger within it that, can't, that only faith can free us from. And that's the risk of stagnation. Because belief can never go anywhere 
other than where it already is. Do you get that? Belief can never go anywhere other than where it already is. That's the nature of belief. You can only believe what has happened or what you've been told or how you've been instructed. So it can't go anywhere because that's the nature of belief. It's stuck. And belief without faith simply brings us to a place where we are stuck. Belief is formed by looking back. Faith is formed by looking forward. That's the difference. And faith is formed by looking forward and beyond where you are. And here's something else. Belief makes people defend, shut down and shut out. Isn't that true? Whether that's our spiritual beliefs, our family beliefs, our political beliefs... Belief makes people defend, shut down and shut out. That's all it ever does. But faith never does that. See, that's how I know there's too much belief and not enough faith. Because there's too much defending, shutting down and shutting out. Faith doesn't do that. Faith never does that. It only ever looks forward and beyond. Belief can look and feel far more impressive than faith. Because it implies a superior knowledge. It creates the false security associated with fixed points. Something faith cannot give. And that's why for some of you and for some who have been part of this house, can't go any further. Because belief gives you fixed points. But faith cannot give you fixed points. So where do we gravitate to? Belief over faith. Which road do we tend to take when we get to that divergence? The road of belief. Belief can set itself up as a counterfeit for true faith and keep us trapped, fraudulently providing us security when none should be present. It's usually when we establish belief that we start persecuting. Isn't that interesting? It's only and usually when we establish belief that we start persecuting because you don't believe what I believe. Maybe that's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Um, Our plan is about as good as that one at the moment. This is a two-parter, so we'll be picking it up next week as well. Um, Drawing on the great statement we heard at the beginning of the morning from Eat, Pray, Love. Choosing faith at the intersection where faith and belief meet requires that you be brave and that you be willing. Those are the two things for this week. See, the story of the journey into truth was never meant to be governed by stones on a mountain experience as revealed in Moses. But by the get up and go experience revealed in and through Abraham. So if you know anything about Bible, uh, Abraham is a critically key character. And... um, If you know anything about Moses, you see all the problems that came. Not that it was Moses' fault, but Moses was caught up in something culturally that had to be undone 
in Christ. And we haven't time to talk about that this morning. But for Abraham, once, once he, and you can read this in the book of Genesis, once he found the courage to leave the place where his father had become stuck, bound by a misplaced commitment to the past and the pain, he began to experience the blessed state that was already his. See, we've got to break free because belief is rooted in all that other stuff. Abraham had to break belief in order to move by faith. See, he had the bravery to leave and the willingness to go. You need the bravery to leave and the willingness to go. That's all summarized and summed up in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 when it says, The Lord had said to Abraham, now, that's always been fascinating to any Bible scholar. The Lord had said to Abraham, the Lord had said to Abraham, which means that what he finally released himself by bravery to leave and in willingness to go had already been established for him and towards him and in him. It was not that anything had to be done to make that possible. It's just that he had to walk into the possible, into the potentiality, into what has been provided for him. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. Leave the place of belief. Now you're at this intersection and choose the road of faith. See, we turn that into gathering a temple and do things that will hopefully get God to show up. That's the difference we change, leave your country, people, and father's house and go to a land that I will show you into gathering a temple and do things that will hopefully get God to show up. Can you see the difference between the two? Now, I will say again, preaching this is bad for business. But it's not meant to be a business. See, the journey of faith is the embracing of a new reality. You've got to get comfortable with that. The way we do anything is the way we do everything. So if you do anything by belief, you'll do everything by belief. But once you start doing anything by faith, you'll start doing everything by faith. So this is probably a good time to start engaging with the physics of the quest. While ever belief is allowed to keep replaying its incantation of rigid conclusions in your head, you will never hear the call to anything other. I'm so aware of that, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's like there's someone else inside of you. Uh, Christianity often put that down to the devil. Various, various convictions have put it down to various things. But it's that thing inside of you that keeps replaying its incantations of rigid conclusions. It'll never be different. This can never change. You have to believe this. You must accept that. And they keep playing over and over again. But while ever... You allow that to keep playing. You never hear the call to anything other. Also, for some of you, the fear of devils and deception has been so deeply embedded into your mind that the possibility of engaging the faith of the gospel as opposed to belief in the gospel is almost zero because you have fear of being banished from the village just like me go. But I'll get banished from the village and I'm stuck. I'll get banished from the tribe. Well, get banished. We'll banish you if you want. If you want proclamations of banishment, we'll give you those proclamations because we want you free. 
The truth is, Jesus came to give us a new view about God. You cannot read the Gospels without coming to that conclusion unless you impose upon them narrow beliefs that restrict you from seeing the truth. The truth is Jesus came to give us a new view about God, only for most to accept Jesus but still retain our original view of God. How crazy is that? Who wouldn't want to accept Jesus? But you don't accept Jesus while retaining your original view of God. That's not how it works. That means you believe in Jesus, but you don't have the faith of Jesus. So here's what it said at the beginning. If you're brave enough to leave behind everything familiar and comforting, which can be anything from your house to your bitter old resentments, and set out on a truth-seeking journey, either externally or internally, preferably both, and if you're truly willing to regard everything that happens to you on that journey as a clue, then truth will not be withheld from you. There's a second half to that for next week. But I want you at the point where you can regard what is happening as a clue. It's a clue. And if you'll take it as a clue, then truth will be revealed to you. Q's direction creates a problem because we as individuals and adherents, sadly, I have to say, are adhered to a cause, but are still so religiously bent that we want it somehow still to fit with the beliefs that are rigid, that give us that security. If there is such a thing, no, let me say this first. Maybe all our questions will lead to knowledge, and knowledge to newfound power, and that power may lead to freedom. That's a quote from the film. If there is such a thing as being born again, which I believe there is, then maybe this is it. That we are born again to the realization of the faith of the gospel, which is the core element in the physics of the quest. This is how you see, not that you are saved, but that you are part of an amazing reality called the kingdom of God. That's the faith of the kingdom, not belief in So, will you choose to be brave? You might say, I'm not brave. I don't think I'm brave enough. Bravery starts with the choice. Bravery doesn't start by deciding how brave you are. Bravery starts with the choice that you choose to be brave. Just like one day, uh, a guy called Joshua said to the people, I've set before you life and death. Choose life. Well, how do you choose? Well, you choose it, and then the life happens because you chose it. Choose to be brave. See, how do I do that? You just do. I choose to be brave. Will you choose to be willing? See, there's a power at work in you that's called the seed of faith that's been planted in you that if you'll release it, will release a willingness to go in this direction we've talked about. Will you choose to be brave? Will you choose to be willing? Because it's then that you'll be finally free. Let me just pray for you and with you before I sit down today. And you know, speaking confession is 
is good for us. Words are very, very powerful. Now, we don't have to speak those words out loud, but we do have to speak them from inside. And sometimes that has to be contrary to the belief that's challenging us. We have to speak the words. And I want you to be able to say, because this is what you call to by this wonderful experience that God gives us to challenge belief for the sake of truth. You can say in your heart and in your mind, today I choose to be brave. I choose to be willing because I want to be part of that amazing reality called the kingdom of God. We'll pick this up again next week, but make sure you have faith over belief. for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.